Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. Hello, I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And in this episode, we're going to focus on a bunch of things, including presenteeism, optimizing productivity, and fostering a culture of employee health and well-being. My uh, somewhat illustrious returning guest today is Professor Sir Carrie Cooper, CBE, the 50th anniversary prof of organizational psychology and health at Manchester Business School, University of Manchester. Sir Carrie, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to have you back on today. Yeah, it's great, Bill, to see you again. Let's have a nice chat. So for those who didn't catch our last conversation on the HR chat pods, can you take a minute or two and reintroduce yourself to our listeners? Oh, yeah, sure. My name is uh, Kerry Cooper. I'm professor of organizational psychology and health at Manchester Business School, University of Manchester. I'm chair of the uh, National Forum for Health and Wellbeing at Work, which is uh, mainly over 50 employers, very senior people in it, directors of health and well-being, HR directors, chief medical officers of global companies based in London. Uh, yeah, and we look at health and well-being. We actually do things rather than just sit and talk about them. And uh, I think well-being is a big, it's now a strategic issue for many organizations, not just the global ones. It's becoming uh, quite big in the at not the in the SME sector, but particularly the M's, and gradually we're 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 filtering down even to the smaller organizations. You have written hundreds and hundreds of books. I've got a quote from you here, actually from from uh, a fairly recent LinkedIn post around rethinking presenteeism for for increasing productivity, and it goes as follows: Our latest research at Robertson Cooper has turned conventional wisdom about presenteeism on its head. We've identified that not all instances of working whilst unwell should be classified as presenteeism, paving the way for a new era in how organizations manage employee health, well-being and productivity. What we've discovered is that there are three distinct types of working whilst unwell, only one of which should be labeled presenteeism and eradicated from business. So before we get into the other two, can can we just start by you giving the correct definition of presenteeism? Okay, well, this started in the 1980s when we had a recession then, when a journalist, called, I, I termed it presenteeism in the 1980s, because a journalist called me up and said, can't understand this, Professor Cooper, in the middle of this massive recession. And yet, uh, people are still turning up to work. We don't have high sickness absence. If you're going in a recession and you're feeling job insecure and the rest of it, you know, what? why aren't they getting ill? Why isn't sickness absence rates going up? And it's not. It's either stabilizing or going down. And I said, now, if you're ill, if you're job insecure as a result of the recession and you're feeling ill, what are you going to do? You're going to go to work. You're going to go to work ill. So that's what became termed as sickness presenteeism, okay? Not good news. So you're suffering from the flu, depression, something like that. You turn up to work uh, because you want to show FaceTime, basically. You want to show your employer you're there, even though you, you're, 
your productivity is zero or near zero. It's not there's little added value you get. You're too ill to do it. And you're working full time and you're disguising you, 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 that you're not coping and that you've got some illness. OK, so that's then that's not good news. Right. And that's the original definition. I think Robertson Cooper's take on this, which is great. I like the idea of the way they've done it. The second bit is something called um, basically functional presenteeism. Let's call it that. Okay. So that one is still, you're still ill. You got some problem. However, it's nothing contagious. You can't, if you go to work, you're not going to get other people ill with COVID or the flu or whatever. It may be a mild depression. It may be some other illness. Uh, However, you don't want to let people down. And um, you know your productivity is not going to be great. But what you're going to do is you're going to go to work and what you're going to do is do what you can, and but you're not going to overwork. So you're going to do what you feel you can do and leave the rest of it later until you get better. So by that, I mean you prioritize and you say, well, given my feeling, so it's kind of functional. I'm going to do that. You're going to be less productive, but not as bad as if you go full whack and think that, you know, and try to pretend you're perfectly okay and you go over the top. So that's, that's, it helps you a bit because you don't feel you're dumping on other people. And you also are showing some face time and job insecure times that we're going through right now. The final one is therapeutic um, presenteeism. And what that means is in a sense, it's like you've had serious depression You've been treated for it. You want to go back to work. So it's a, in a sense, it's a return to work after a major problem. Depression, cancer, some serious illness. And it's therapeutic in the sense you don't want to do it full time. And in conjunction with your employer, you decide to go back gradually. The employer knows you've got you've been through cancer treatment or uh, intensive psychotherapy or been in hospital with mental health problems, but you're now kind of coming back and you want to do it gradually. And that is helpful. Again, you're not going to be as productive as you would be if you had none of the presenteeisms, as it were. But it, in a way, it's a much more positive thing because it's getting you back into the mode of working. And your employer and you have developed a psychological contract which says, this will be helpful for me to do some hours a week coming back, maybe two or three hours, two or three days a week and gradually come back into the workplace. So they're, they're very different. The first one, the sickness presenteeism where you pretend to be okay and it's nothing going to trouble you, but you're really suffering, but you, but you're so frightened of having it on your HR record that you've been off ill, that you pretend you deliver very little added value. That one is the worst one and it's very damaging to you. So it sounds like the third form, the therapeutic presenteeism. Um, that's kind of a, that's someone's perhaps in a vulnerable position, but they've got a more positive outlook and, and they're looking to grow their productivity. And, um, you know, if, if you've got to, top talent who's been away for x amount of time you use the example of depression of cancer and so on and so forth that there's a situation there where the the employer the the boss obviously wants to redevelop that person 
um, and there's lots of potential to get them back up to speed. Does that often happen or actually is, is it more often the case that in that third form of therapeutic form, folks perhaps stay part time or they never reach those productivity levels that they were at before? Again, it depends on how enlightened the employers and the enlightened employers who want to retain good staff who have good skill base, but, you know, uh, not they're not responsible for getting cancer. They're not responsible for having necessarily for having depression. And they, they it's something that we all get in a lifetime. But one in four of us are going to have depression or anxiety, what we call the common mental disorder, sometime in our lifetime. One in four in every country in the world, in Africa, as well as the, uh, the developing, the developed world. So we're all going to suffer from these events, cancers and things. So an enlightened employer wants to retain talent, then they help them and they develop a kind of psychological contract and do a return to work program at the speed and pace of the individual employee who, and that's helpful for them. They're going back. Everybody's aware. The line manager of the person returning is aware of what they've been through. They uh, therefore negotiate the kinds of things they are capable of doing as they build up to returning full-time to work. So that one is very helpful. I wouldn't necessarily call that presenteeism. I just call it return to work from a, a serious illness. And really the enlightened, the, the really good employers, they're the ones who will have a return to work policy for people who've come out of, with serious illnesses. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. The way you plan, administer, and track compensation plans matters to your company and employees. CompTracks is part of HRSoft and our compensation management solution gives you a highly configurable platform designed to support and evolve with you over time. Break free from manually intensive processes and spreadsheets and elevate compensation planning with data-driven decision-making for managers, HR, and executives. Compensation strategy is unique to the DNA of your organization. Make sure your HR technology is up for the task. Learn more at comptrack.com. And now, back to the HR chat show. The, the first form of presentation, the, the traditional one, the one that I learned when I was the editor of HR Review many years ago before I went gray, for example, you know, that kind of definition. Yeah. Um, how, how, how bad is that? Bad's a usually an interesting word to use. How bad is that for uh, colleagues around you? Uh, if, if you're if you're not in the right place, if you if you're there, if you're giving off bad vibes, um, you're not really adding to a thing. Maybe you're sucking energy. I'm using always loaded terms right now. What, what kind of what kind of impact can that have on on the colleagues around you? Oh, very bad. In no way is it positive. It's not good for your health as the the sufferer as the presentee, and it's not good for the people around you. Many times it could be an infectious illness as well, like COVID. Um, and so it's not good for them. It's not good for the team because you're not actually delivering any added value. You're not being honest about the fact that you're not very productive, at least in the functional type of presenteeism. You're, everybody knows that there's an issue with you right? But you want to do it, but you want to come back and you want to help out where you can, and they can pick up the the, the balance of it. So it, it damages the, the team as well, and people resent you in, in the first form. 
because you're not admitting that you've got a problem. And that's why you got to change the culture. That's why we need, again, something I think you and I talked about the last time, Bill. That's why you need EQ'd line managers. You need emotionally intelligent, socially and interpersonally skilled, compassionate, empathetic, whatever words you want to use. We need human beings in line management roles all the way up the organization from shop floor to top floor. Those are the people who will recognize a presentee who comes in not well, and if you're socially sensitive and not just looking at the bottom line, not just being a command and control type, and would say, you know, Carrie, you, you're not well, are you? Let's talk about it. Anything I can do. Yeah, you want to come in, I know you want to help out, but actually you shouldn't be coming in. Or why don't you just come in a few hours a day, you know, and do those kinds of things, you know, and and help out on, on the margins or whatever. That If we had that, 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 that wouldn't be a problem. But that's not the kind of line manager we have in the average organization, unfortunately, because we talked about it before, uh, where, you know, most people get into, I mean, you know, like the CMI in the UK, the Chartered Management Institute came out with that report about 80% of managers are accidental managers, Right. They get there by accident to managerial roles because they technically are good at what they do, get promoted to a management role, no training, and not based on their social and interpersonal skills, which in the old days they used to call those soft skills. They're the least soft skills. They are the massive positive skills. They are hard skills that we really need. Uh, even the, the phrase soft skills implies they're not important, which is weird. But anyway, uh, let's go from there. So I think that if that if if the chartered management in the UK among their they're the professional body of managers in the UK, if they say that 80 percent of managers on work they've done are accidental and don't have the training and don't have a lot of skills to do the job. We need more training, but we need also to recruit them. So there's parity between their people skills and their technical skills. And that's not what we do. And until we do that in terms of recruiting people and promoting them, we're going to be uh, still our productivity levels will be lower and the common mental disorders will be higher. Which is a great lead into the next thing I want to chat to you about. Um, um, So related, but different. the, the the market reports are suggesting certainly certainly in the US and Canada where the majority of the HR chat audience are based that twenty twenty four is going to be a year where people aren't on the move so much um, that there's still lots of jobs out there but in, in certain areas people are not on the move so much they're going to stay within particular roles you and I were chatting before we hit record today and you said yes Bill but actually you know the the, the top top talent that that they'll still have the opportunity to move around if, if they want to. Um, I wonder how can managers, how can how can leaders ensure that folks who are staying around over the next year, they're not just staying there and um, being present in some format where they're not developing themselves and not pushing the company forward, but actually uh, that the managers are creating an environment where folks want to have professional development. They they want they want to push themselves forward and then and improve that bottom line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at there are two different types of talent. I mean, there'll be those who are really talented, 
know they're talented. Oh, by the way, three, because we have the, let's talk about the Z generation, the young millennials. They'll go wherever. They're not bothered by job security. They could care less. You know why? Do they have houses? No, they can't afford houses like my generation, your generation, Bill, could afford houses at the age of 25. They won't get, they won't be able to afford any property till they're 35 or 40. I mean, it really is good. So they don't care. They have nothing. They have no, they have no ax to, to grind and they'll, they'll go off where the, where the talent, where the culture is right for them, where they feel valued, trusted, developed, etc. So that one is gone. Then we have those that are older and, you know, have skill, a skill that a lot of other employers want, and they'll go off. Then there'll be a remaining group who are kind of security driven a bit. What we want to get is the most out of them, right? These are the people who are not going to move around a lot uh, because we are, there'll be a, we're in a, in effect, we're in a global downturn. I mean, we're not, the growth rates in China, the U.S. are not, not really high, almost nowhere in the EU, etc. There are, there are of course exceptions to that rule. But anyway, generally, therefore, you're right. There will be a lot of people who are just going to be sitting there. Okay, so that's why you want to create a well-being culture. That's why you want to have emotionally intelligent line managers who are motivators and 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 understand that people want to develop themselves. You want to stretch them. You want to give them opportunities. You want to engage them. You want them to feel part of it. You might consider even giving them uh, share ownership and part of the business. There's a whole load of things we can do to motivate people, you know, to incentivize them. And uh, I think, for example, share ownership is quite interesting way to, 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 to motivate a lot of people, giving them training and development, putting them with suppliers, putting them with clients, uh, placing them for their development. Come on, there's a load of things you can do to really excite people about their job. And um, But we have to have the right kind of people and managerial roles to, to see the, the possibilities, to say, well, Carrie's functioning okay anyway, but Phil... And Janet, you know, I can get more out of them. They they are kind of hanging in there. They're not as productive as they could be. They have some talent. So let me see. Let me talk to each of them. Let me find out what they would like to do, how I could help them, how I could motivate them. So that's, you know, that that's the job of a, of a manager. A manager isn't just to look at the bottom line quarterly. And, and we need more of those. And we need HR to be better. And understanding that too, HR knows where the where the bodies lie. Really, they know the non-performing managers, the not very good, socially unskilled managers are. They know a lot, a lot about their employees, or and if they don't, they should. And what are they doing about thinking about ways of of helping this kind of talent that might be staying for longer than would normally be? The case if if we had a, a buoyant international economy we're out of time for today uh that just leaves me to say for today professor sir Kerry cooper um i'm always in awe of you 
when I get a chance to sit down with you. Um, you're such an impressive guy. Thank you very much for your time today. I appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Bill. It's great seeing you again. Look after yourself. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.